0: Dear listeners, before we start the show today, we have something exciting to share with you about something we haven't done before. We are actually working on a podcast about love and relationships and dating in India. And for it, we want to hear from you. If you are between the ages of 18 and 35 and have thoughts and opinions about love and relationships and ideas on what you'd like from a dating podcast, write to us at podcast at indianexpress.com and we'll get in touch with you. Once again, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at IndianExpress.com. Now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express News Show. In this episode, we talk about the government trying to interfere in the functioning of the Indian Institute of Management's. We also talk about one of India's largest biosphere reserves coming under threat due to forest fires. But first, we talk about the farmers' protests. It has now been over 100 days since farmers, primarily from Haryana and Punjab, have been protesting at the Delhi borders because they want the new farm laws repealed. As we have discussed previously on the podcast, the farmers feel that the laws will leave them at the mercy of big private players, and that they would eventually be forced to sell crops at a much lower cost. Now, during this time, according to the Sanyuk Kisan Union, at least 277 farmers have died either by natural causes or road accidents. This also includes eight farmers that died by suicide. In this segment, we talk to Indian Express's Raki Jagga, who has been covering the protests since the beginning about how the farmers are now mobilising themselves and in what ways have the protests changed during this time? And she starts by telling us that things have actually changed quite a bit since the massive tractor rally that took place on the Republic Day. That was when clashes had taken place between some protesters and the Delhi police, and when hundreds of protesters had stormed the Red Fort.
1: After January 26, lots of changes uh, started happening. One major thing which I am observing is the numbers. Uh, the numbers are reducing. Uh, at these protest sites. But that does not mean that these people are less mobilized. Uh, I mean, their focus is now a bit shifted. These farm leaders, they are traveling to other states, uh, like uh, they're going to Karnataka, as far as Karnataka, Tamil Nadu, Bengal. And they are organizing localized uh, panchayats or the rallies so that, I mean, the people are being mobilized within their states, Rather than everybody rushing to to the borders, and another change which has happened is in terms of expenses. I mean they were quite uh, they were seen spending money quite generously over the things over the arrangements they, There used to be so many tractor marches from Punjab who were uh, the people who were going to, to the borders and now they prefer to go by train or they prefer to go by buses. Rather than going on tractors, this is another uh, major change uh, which has happened. The third major change which has happened is the participation of youngsters. It's quite less now. After uh, the January twenty-six episode when Deep Sidhu episode came up and I mean he unfurled the Nishan Sahib uh, at Red Fort, so there were lots of youngsters uh, associated with him. And and also with the Lakha Sidhana, the another accused in this January twenty sixth episode, and the farm leaders they had outrightly said that role of Deep Sidhu was they had condemned Deep Sidhu. So after that, uh, the youngsters' participation uh, has also reduced. So these three major changes which I have seen uh, these days.
0: Raki, we also understand that the harvesting season will start from next month. Are, are farmers worried about that and will they have to go back to their hometowns then?
1: No, not, uh, they're not really worried about that. I spoke to a number of villagers last week only because uh, in uh, wheat harvesting, it's not very labor intensive uh, harvesting uh, and this will start uh, not before April fifteen. So this is not more than two to three weeks operation. So they have already made committees in their villages. As they had made committees uh, in the villages, uh, how to manage each other's crop. So like the same way they have made committees that uh, if one person of a house is away, the next neighbor or any other relative uh, they, or any other villager will take care of the harvesting and the procurement operations of that villager. They have also made an arrangement that if son is away to the border, father will stay back home, likewise. And another arrangement they have planned that during the harvesting operations, elders who can't participate much in the harvesting operations they will be sent to the borders. And uh, the youngsters or the persons under 50, they will be more in the villages. So these are the things they have uh, planned ahead and uh, I mean, they're not much worried about those harvesting operations.
0: Also, all this while the farmers have been angry towards the ruling party, towards the BJP. How are they channelizing this anger towards the party during this time, you know, when elections are going to take place in multiple states very soon?
1: i mean they have now chalked out a lot of uh, major programs the one of the major program was on march 8 when they observed women day and thousands of women they traveled from punjab to the borders but from not only punjab haryana and i have heard that from up uttarakhand as well so this was one major program where women uh, they outburst their anger against bjp the, another major program is on march 10 when there is a no-confidence motion uh, of in Haryana Assembly. So these SKM leaders, Sanyupt Kisan Morcha leaders, they have issued an appeal to the people of Haryana that they should meet their MLAs or they should send them letters to vote against BJP in the Assembly because the BJP is an anti-farmer party. And they have even drafted letters which they are giving uh, to the people in the area or to the farmer leaders that they should distribute these letters to the people in the villages. And these letters should be posted to the MLAs, or these letters should be given by hand to the MLAs. So that's a big uh, big operation for March 10. And another is uh, that they have already announced that they will be Sajuk Kisan Morcha leaders. They will be visiting all the poll-bound states and uh, UT as well. So on March 12, they are going to Bengal. The entire Kisan Morcha leadership, they are going to Kolkata for a rally. And after this rally, they will be sending 294 vehicles in all the assembly constituencies of West Bengal. And the persons who will be driving those vehicles, they will be called as Kisan Doot. And these Kisan Doot, they will be spreading message or the written material in the villages of Bengal. And they will be appealing to people to vote not to vote for bjp and vote to vote for any other party i mean they are saying they are not guiding them to vote for any particular party but they are saying that they
0: should not vote for bjp so you mentioned thousands of women coming to delhi to join the protests now you actually spoke to some of these women what did they have to tell you about what drew them to the protests
1: i mean women uh, i just when i speak to them a number of them are 75 years old 80 year old and they started speaking on the stage for the first time they ne- they've never been to school a number of them one Surjeet kaur she's 75 year old from Akliya village of mansa she's she's never been to school and when you talk to her about farm laws and she will explain you the things so minutely and she says that i listen to the experts talk which come in a regional punjabi language or i i tell people to read out the material for her so that she listens to the things and grasps accordingly she can spread the message like likewise uh, uh, there is one Malankar. she's 70 year old again she, she she's never been i mean I've, i i can call them illiterate it's the only thing that they ne- they had never been to school but i mean they when you talk to them about issues they they come out with a, I mean they come out with so much of Information and they are saying that, uh, I mean, ultimately, mm, uh, I mean, when men go to the farms and if they are not going to bring back money home and we are going to be affected directly, so it's not just a matter for the the men, but uh, I mean, they said it matters to us as as well. And and during the struggle, women said they realized that they have so much of strength and they never explored it uh, all these years.
0: Now. Even apart from thousands of women coming to protest in Delhi, moving a no-confidence motion in the Haryana Assembly, and travelling to poll-bound states to get the BJP boycotted, Rakhi mentions one other initiative by the farmers.
1: Another major plan, which is on cards of Sangh Kisan Morcha, this is MSP Dilao Abhiyan, and to start with the, the farmer leaders, the local farmer leaders of Karnataka. They are already visiting various mandis where farmers are uh, coming for the procurement of tur dal. The farmers are not getting the prices uh, on MSP, and the government is also selling uh, the previous year's tur dal stock at prices lower than MSP. So that's why Sayak Kisan Morcha they thought that they, I mean they thought that it's all the more important to start this MSP Dilaw Abhiyan and that too in a BJP-led state Karnataka. And after Karnataka, they will be going to Andhra Pradesh, and then they will be going to Telangana, and likewise, wherever the procurement uh, season starts. Now they said that this is a, I mean, this is a bid to expose the Modi government's claims that uh, people are getting MSP, farmers are happy, but the fact is otherwise.
0: And next, we talk about a story that raises concerns about government interference in educational institutions. This story relates to what happened at the Indian Institute of Management at Ahmedabad. It has now come to light that last year, in a rather unusual move, Sabha MP Subramanian Swami sent a letter to Prime Minister Narendra Modi, complaining about a particular PhD thesis at IIM Ahmedabad. And after Swami sent this letter, the Ministry of Education had actually asked IIM Ahmedabad for a copy of the thesis. This thesis in question basically included three essays on electoral democracy. In this segment, Ritika Chopra, who broke the story, talks about why the government got interested in this thesis in the first place and the concerns that this entire matter raises.
2: So in March last year, Subramaniam Swami had written to the Prime Minister complaining about a thesis that has been approved for awarding of PhD. He wrote just a few days after that seminar was held and uh, he pointed out that this uh, thesis allegedly describes the Bharatiya Janta Party as, as, as an ethnically constituted party and that it is essentially a pro-Hindu upper caste party and uh, Mr. Swami in in his letter said that this is an incorrect depiction of the party given that the prime minister himself is not from an upper caste and that you know such depictions have been made by colonial historians in the past and has been propagated by their duties in the academia and it seems like I am Ahmedabad is doing the same
0: so this essentially was the crux of his letter. Now, like mentioned earlier, after this happened, the Ministry of Education asked I.M. Ahmedabad for a copy of this thesis. Now, Ritika says that when a complaint or an issue is raised by a member of parliament, the government is expected to respond to it. But she says that just because it is expected to respond to it doesn't mean they have to bring in the institute into the matter.
2: The government could have possibly just written back saying that, look, you know, we cannot a PhD degree or other PhD seminar, a, a dissertation is adjudged by a panel of experts. And that, you know, the, the ministry doesn't get involved in this. I mean, they could have possibly because they, it is incumbent on the ministry to actually respond to each of these references, either describing what action you have taken or just respond to them, you know, addressing their questions. So, given that this is actually not within the remit of the government to actually look into individual complaints regarding PhD thesis, they could have possibly written back to him saying that there's not much they can do. But because it was forwarded by the Prime Minister's office, I frankly don't know why they did this, but a letter was, or rather communication was sent to the institute director and the and the government without mentioning Swami, just simply asked for a, just simply said that there there seems to have been a complaint and we would like to have a copy of this to examine the same.
0: Now, even though the government asked I.M. Ahmedabad for a copy of this thesis, the institute's director, Errol D'Souza, put his foot down and did not provide it.
2: The institute director essentially just reminded the government that this is not really, I mean, the, in, he didn't say it in as many words, but Basically, it's remind the government that this is not within your remit. You you know, we're an academic institution. This is purely an academic matter. If there was a problem with the thesis, the dissertation, there is a forum for that. You know, there are people who question and grill the author of that paper. And there is a forum for it. And, And such objections should have idly been raised in that forum. And even if there are any complaints after that, that, you know, those complaints should have actually been flagged with the institute and not the ministry. So the institute director, Errol Dusuza, said that the ministry of the government is not an arbiter of complaints with regard to theses. These complaints should have actually been flagged with him. And essentially, I mean, and he did not share a copy of the thesis with the government.
0: Ritika says that after this happened, the government sent the institute another reminder. But that request has not been responded to either.
2: Interestingly, what eventually happened is that sometime around October or November, the government internally, this ministry, the Ministry of Education internally, had prepared a proposal to bring in an executive order through which the government would be empowered to act, act against the Board of Governors of an IAM if it was found to be violating the IAM Act
0: the iim act that ritika mentions here is the legislation that has given iims the power to award full fledged academic degrees and it is the law that gives them the academic administrative and financial autonomy so what the government was proposing last year was that if iims violate this act then it should be given the permission to intervene and act against the board of governors
2: In that proposal, we've learned, I mean, obviously, when you prepare this proposal, there have to be grounds, there there has to be a justification for why does the government want the IAMs to fall in line? And why would you want to introduce something which essentially is in contravention to the Act itself? Because the Act gives them sort of this unprecedented sweeping autonomy where there is almost no interference from the government in the administration of an IAM. In that justification, we've learned that this was one of the incidents that was flagged in that proposal that, look, we approached the institute to share a copy of the thesis and the director didn't do that. So this was possibly one of the maybe reasons or incidents cited why the government felt that it needs to have some sort of a power to maybe get the IAMs to at least share information that they've asked for or allow them to take action against an if if they end up violating the Act.
0: This entire matter of the government asking an IIM for a particular PhD thesis after it received a complaint from an MP and the government looking to have more say in the functioning of IIMs is what has raised a number of concerns.
2: Obvious concern that this raises is that even before the IIM Act came in, the government ideally should i mean would not have interfered in something which is purely in an academic matter i mean why should the government even ask for a copy of the phd thesis you know and go through it instead of just maybe forwarding the concern to the government or to the institute i guess but these are things that you know one wouldn't expect the government to get into so it's surprising and that's why it's also concerning Secondly, this just goes against the very grain of the promise that has been made by the government in the IAM Act, where it gives the IAMs unprecedented autonomy. You, at, On one hand, you're kind of giving them this absolute freedom from government interference. But at the same time, you know, you turn around and you ask the Institute for a copy of the thesis Obviously pointing to the fact that it's interested in looking into actually the veracity of the complaint that has been filed by one of the MPs. So this, this kind of goes against what the government has been saying all along about its intention to give more academic, administrative and financial freedom to its institutions.
0: And next we talk about Odisha. The Simplipal National Park and Tiger Reserve in northern Odisha, which together form one of the largest biosphere reserves of the country, are currently under threat due to forest fires. The region has been reporting incidents of fire continuously since the 1st of March. In this segment, we talk to Ashwarya Mohanti, who reports on Odisha for the newspaper about these fires, the threat they pose to the wildlife in the region and the efforts underway to contain it. Ashwarya, you have reported that Simplipal National Park and Tiger Reserve in northern Odisha, they have been seeing fires continuously since the beginning of this month. Could you talk about the extent to which the fires have spread in the area and the kind of damage they have done?
3: Yes. So, at present, uh, they have been calculating the number of fire points which have been recorded. And uh, beginning from January 1 until now, there have been nearly 1,400 fire points in Simlipal Bioreserve itself. And uh, these fire points have been in rapid succession since March 1. The situation has been severe since March 1. And now, earlier we were only talking about Simlipal Bioreserve and forest fires there. But for the past couple of days, the fire has now spread across ranges in the entire state. So, uh, we are actually looking at nearly 200 hectares of forest land which has been damaged under these forest fires, which have been reported since March 1, across the state. And um, the damage in terms of, uh, there has been no assessment in terms of how many plants or how many plant species have been affected. And uh, also, the officials continue to maintain that there is no loss of life and no wild animals have been harmed in the forest fires so far.
0: And so, considering there is also a tiger reserve there, how concerned are experts about fires eventually reaching the animals, you know, especially the tigers in the area?
3: Yes. So the major concern is this, that if at present the fire is in the buffer zones, which is like the fringe areas of the forest, which is closer to the villages, and the tigers are generally in the core areas of the forest, but the fire has not reached the core areas as of yet. There are no incidents of fire being reported from the core areas where the tigers actually reside. But these people are actually trying to contain the fire in the buffer zones itself before it actually enters the core area. If it enters the core area, it will be difficult for them and it will affect the tigers. But um, like it is said that so far, no animals have been affected in the uh, wildfires. But once these fires are contained, there could be problems of, you know, the habitats for young animals and For those who live there, because there'll be no trees around, there probably will be just dry patches and the habitats will change. So post the wildfire, there are concerns regarding the habitation of these animals who live there, the animals and even the birds for that matter. But so far, no loss of life has been reported, yes.
0: And what kind of efforts have we seen in trying to actually contain these fires?
3: Uh, So the forest department is completely uh, on their toes. And apart from the forest department, even the fire department is aiding them in the process. And uh, nearly 1,200 personnel alone in Simlipal are uh, working right now. And uh, so how do they work is they get these satellite imagery twice a day. It's between 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. post-midnight and between 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. during the day when they get these satellite images about where the forest fires are. Apart from that, these people are continuously on patrol to see if there's any smoke out of these hills or, you know, there's any smoke from the forest areas. So then they go to douse off the fire. The very first, their primary motive is to contain the fire at the surface level. One thing which the Forest Department has been lucky about this time is that these incidents have been at surface level itself. There is no crown firing as such. There is, uh, you know, the trees have not caught fire yet. So they are able to contain the fire at the shrubs and the herbs level itself. And which they are trying to do, and because if the trees catch fire and there's ground firing, it will be very difficult for them to contain the fire, and that might affect the wildlife even more severely and um yes, yeah, so they have been working there, apart from that, even in the other ranges, now the forest department has pressed their people, and they're also taking help from the community members now, community members have been roped in, and there's this one Suraksha Samiti, which is formed by taking villagers uh, you know into it. So now the villagers have also come forward to help these forest department people to contain the fire.
0: And also, what do experts have to say about what has actually caused these fires this time?
3: So this time, there has been an early onset of summer. The temperatures have as high as 40 degrees Celsius. And uh, during this period, like end of Feb, March, there's always a slight precipitation in Odessa. But this year, there has been no precipitation at all. So, this is one of the natural causes which kind of leads to a spread of the fire across the forest area. Apart from the fact that this is the time when the deciduous trees shed their leaves. So, the entire patch in the forest area is covered by dried leaves. So, it's easier to catch fire and spread. Apart from that, experts say that there are also man-made factors. So, man-made factors like... Um, local poachers. So they set a part of the forest pa- land on fire so that the animals run towards the other end from there and they can hunt them down. But after hunting them down, they don't go back to you know douse the fire. So the fire is still there and it tends to spread. Again, there are local community people who collect mahua flowers at this time of the year. And mahua flowers is actually used to prepare an addictive drink. And um, so to collect these mahua flowers, they actually clear the entire patch around the trees. So to clear that patch, they set it on fire so that the entire area is cleared and then they can collect the flowers. Now, even such kind of incident might lead to spread of the fire because there are leaves all around. And then there could be some very silly reasons like somebody's gone to the forest and might have just uh, lit a cigar or lit a matchstick and just dropped it down. And that could lead to the fire. And there's an entire track that goes up. Up. It's always from downhill to uphill. So that's how it spreads. So these are the few causes which the experts say could have led to the fire this time.
0: You were listening to Three Things by The Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. If you like the show, then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it, share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can tweet us at Express podcast and write to us at podcast at indianexpress.com.